Hi, 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 hello, hi, hi. Uh, welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies. It's a movie podcast hosted by two people. One of them is me. I'm Chris Chafin. The other one is Chris Chafin's friend, Caleb Shively, which is me. That is I, how I think of you all the time. A is, friend yeah, and my co-host. Friend, my friend, Caleb Shively. My yeah. co-friend. I was trying to make loving and supportive eye contact while oh, I said that. Sure, it did. It worked. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much. You made deep eye contact. Oh, I love to pierced. get it deep. I love to pierce those eyeballs. Piercing me deep. Oh, I'm going to pierce those little with, goo balls real deep with my eye contact. Our eyes goo. Eyes are mostly water, but it is solid, so that in-betweenness of eye Okay, so look, I'm going to tell you what this show is, listener, in a second. But (laughs) first, can I ask, did you have to watch that science show, Contact, when you were a little kid? Nope. That Jodie Foster movie? No, it didn't. Close. Um, No, it was was called, the theme song would go, three, two, one. I bring it up because it was like an early '80s, like VHS kind of, kind of like second you season it look in around you. Class? Yes, yes, oh, in cool. like elementary school. Yeah. Um, in the opening credits where they're showing you like the wonders of science, like the space shuttle taking off and a bird flying, then they then they cut to just a disembodied pair of hands slicing apart an eyeball. <laughs> Ooh, like Unchin Andalu. It was very disturbing to see. And I actually did watch that episode. It was a sheep's eyeball, and it was gross. Ooh, it is gross. Uh, So anyway, you're listening to Actually Best Choice Movies, a show where we talk about science videos from the 80s uh, and also great films. Uh, We try to talk about two films that are, you know, related basically in the genre of good we try not to talk about bad movies, but what can I say? It happens. It happens, guys. Uh, there's uh, choices of movies. There's good choices of movies. And then we give you the best choice, it's but true. then we provide the actually best the choice. The actually best choice. You might think you know what the best choice is, but us, two men on the internet, mm-hmm. are here to tell you the actually best mm-hmm. choice. Actually, uh, we started it because A is the first letter in actually. And so <laughs> alphabetically, we always come up first. A, C. Yeah, and we'll be right at the top of your podcast app until they change the way that the podcasts are organized in the podcast app. Or you yourself. Yeah, right, another right, right. But so. don't do that. Don't be a dick. Um, or be a dick. It's your life. Fair. So this week on Actually Best Choice Movies, we'll be talking about two films, like I said at the top. Uh, we're talking about two uh, music films this week. Uh, the first one is the new film from Alex Ross Perry, Her Smell. The second is uh, kind of a new film, kind of an old film, uh, a movie from 1980 that got its first real theatrical release in North America this year. It's called Babylon. Uh, and that's this week on Actually Best Choice Movies. Uh, but before we get to any of that, Caleb, I heard a rumor you've been watching a lot of movies this week. Well, it was uh, National Holiday 420 this week, so I got some stuff out of the way there. I yeah. just rewatched some, like, The Jerk, and I rewatched Mandy finally. So what you gonna do with that thing? I'm going hunting. So what you hunting? It's crazy evil! I watched... Uh, Two things that uh, really stuck out to me, uh, both from uh, uh, all-time legendary directors, uh, 
I finally only saw Love Streams by John Cassavetes. Love is a fantasy little girls have. Love is a stream. It's continuous. It doesn't stop. No, it does stop. Absolutely blew me away. Uh, Gina Rowlands, who I'm going to reference sure, so much when I talk about her smell. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it's basically like two separate movies. Gina Rowlands going through a divorce, and then John Cassavetes himself is a Playboy Lothario type. And then they we finally, like, more than an hour into the movie, find out they're brother and sister. But they actually never reference each other as brother and sister. <laughs> and like, oh, is that your husband? No. Like, they do, like, stuff like that. <laughs> uh, but there's, like, so much weird, tiny things in this movie I loved. Uh, and also, it just, John Cassavetes just concentrates so much on the emotional struggle. Uh, yeah, like, yeah. Gina Rowland's going through a divorce. Her daughter tells her, uh, well, she's in the divorce proceedings. She's like, this is my favorite little thing. Uh, she's saying uh, how she gives to charity and visits old people as, mm-hmm. like, a way to build herself up to look good. Then her daughter goes, like, I want to live with my father. I don't like going to the old people. They smell... Gina Rowland's building up that anger. And when did you decide they smell? <laughs> uh, and it, this movie does, throws you for so many loops. Uh, like, it's pretty straightforward. She's going through horse. He's a playboy guy. But then, like, if someone turns into the dog at the end. I just spoiled the end. But that's cr- it's crazy. I love to love streams. Uh, it is the number one thing that he supposedly he's known for, according oh, really? to IMDb. Really? Um, I would say like faces or husbands or woman on the verge. A, a woman under the influence. Under the, the influence. Yeah, that, that's the only one. That's yeah. I think that's really the only Cassavetti's movie. Uh, faces seen. is great. Oh, uh, husbands is amazing. Uh, yeah. Mini. Uh, what is it? Mini and Moskowitz. Is that what that is? I don't. I've only yeah. seen one of his movies, A Woman Under the Influence. Um, yeah, this is like a later period. This is his like. 1984. Yeah, so it's his second, his penultimate movie, which the last movie I I haven't seen, but it's like he actually did it with a budget, which is very non Cassavetes. But Love Streams, uh, like it's one of those movies that is, oh, currently my favorite movie ever this week. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was so high, like getting like a natural high off of like, oh my God, that movie just livened things up for me. I mean, again, I've only seen A Woman Under the Influence, but I'm just going to assume that Gina Rowlands was screaming at people the entire time. Like, Uh, She's a little bit drunk in it. Uh, she gets a, uh, a concussion at one point. Uh, she has to deal with a lot of animals, too. Mm-hmm. It's a uh, great performance. She has to deal with a lot of animals. Like, meaning what? Meaning what, um, exactly? I'm going to buy you a baby. Uh, and then cut to her. She's just at a uh, animal sanctuary buying, looking at animals. And then she ends up bringing, like, a goat, uh, a dog, a, a couple birds. Where's the duck? The duck. Where is the duck? Uh <laughs> Which is one of the greater uh, extras. I was watching the scene, the, the cab driver she's talking to, like, this extra, this extra is so good. Uh, but everyone go check out Love Streams. I got it on DVD. That's great. I mean, it sounds really yeah. good. And then one more, I'll just say, I last night at uh, esteemed place we watch movies at, BAM. BAM, sure. Uh, they had uh, the great uh, film critic, Kay Austin Collins. Oh, sure. Uh, sure he showed... Sure. Uh, a movie, uh, Brian De Palma's Femme, Femme, Femme Fatale. Fatale. I didn't uh, know you were going to that. I would have gone to oh, that if yeah. I knew you were going to Oh, yeah, I bought my tickets a little long ago. I just forgot about yeah, it. And then I got yeah, the yeah. notification, like, oh, hell yeah, I get to go to this. And uh, I love De Palma. I've never seen this one. This one's... You've never seen Femme Fatale before? It's hard to track down. It's not I... streaming anywhere. Oh, uh, is that true? Yeah. Uh, I think I, I saw it, like, it's, years and years it's ago. Fr- it's owned by the Warner Archives, which they don't release a lot of, DV- of their oh, DVDs. Weird. Um, yeah, it's very weird. Uh, it's but... like a very good heist movie. Uh, oh, it's... Rebecca Romaine, the best trash ever. The, the peak of Rebecca Romaine. Oh my gosh, right? she's uh, well. It's her as a tool for this insane director, and 
like I think we've mentioned this before, De Palma is very uh, loves Hitchcock. I, yeah, I always sure. say he adds to what Hitchcock's doing. Other people would say he copies it. But, he, right, I think yeah. he adds, like he totally is, but like it's the it's language of film. Like everyone's right, dripping sure. off everyone. He's yeah, and doing I mean it. that's how it works. But right, watching yeah. this one, I was uh, and. Uh, this is also informed by Chaos and Kali talking about it. Like, oh yeah, uh, this is just more pure him. It's closer to like his own. Yeah, no, I, I definitely like, agree. Yeah. Uh, it reminded me a lot of his uh, Mission Impossible, which was the first Mission well, Impossible. Well, yeah, because it's a lot. It's like a modern heist movie, mm-hmm. right? And it doesn't. It doesn't. It has some it of that. It is, hit. but it's also just like so twisty and trashy that it's <laughs> it just is. glorious. There's lots of. I, I mean, I think I saw it when I was like a teenager, so I yeah, it came out remember. in 2002. Okay, yeah. So. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, there's like hot girls that make out. With oh, each Rebecca, other. Was, yeah, um, yeah. She's like I said, she's great in it, but she's more just like gets the idea of what De Palma was doing. That like mm-hmm. uh, just very well team up of uh, a- actress and director. Like she knows how to make like deliver the kind of performance he yeah. wants for that uh, movie. It it's in the sense of like how Showgirls is like very campy and cheesy. Uh, but both those mo- the Showgirls and Femme Fatale are just so much smarter than you give it credit for. Like. There's so many twists on it. I was like, wow, I did not see that coming. That's so smart. And she plays like, you think her character's like kind of vapid, but no, she's just in control. And well, right. Cause it's kind so of fu- like, smart. it's kind of like vertigo, right? And that every, there's this kind of identity thing going on. Like everybody's a different version of themselves than they appear to be at first, right? It's no, or am I remembering uh, just, that wrong? There's this one point where she uh, gets mistaken for someone mm. and then. Yeah, it just veers into a weird, crazy land from there. So there's only like one mistaken identity. Oh, thing. Okay, ah, still, I'll take it. Yeah, I'll take say, it. I'll take it. I'll say that's a vertigo. Uh, but yeah, it's also great seeing it in uh, BAM theater, uh, mm. huge screen, uh, kind of on on film. Was it digital. packed? Was it sold out? Uh, it was pretty packed, but I got there early, so I put my bag on my seat so no one sat next to me. <laughs> but I did write. But as at seven when it started, I moved my bag to the ground. Oh, in that's case. very big of you. Yeah. Just in case you waited until literally the last possible second, you there could... were two other open seats, so uh, I didn't feel super guilty. <laughs> Whereas Catherine will get stressed out if like other people have bags on their seats because she wants the whole row to be working together to maximize the mm, amount of seats. Sure, you know. Uh, and I will say, as much as I enjoyed it, I did not enjoy the old couple behind me talking out, the whole time. They no, the they were time? just talking. I gave them a look because I'm not above giving people looks. I uh, even said a shush at one point. No way. You really? You I shush, shush people. I, it's so fucking annoying if you talk in a movie. It's I, I think it's fucked up. It's totally uh, fucked up. Like you're just reiterating po- plots of the movie. Like, yeah, you're saying that loud and people can hear you, but everyone else figures out. You're just a stupid movie watcher. Was it was it the classic like who is that? What are they doing? Why is she over there? Uh, there I don't understand. One, that actor is Antonio Banderas. I thought I knew him. Like you could keep that to yourself. <laughs> That's um, not important. And you could talk about it afterwards. Yeah, you know, for real. Uh, and then like it is a very confusing movie. Sure. Uh, and they were like asking each other questions, and a lot of the times their answers were, "Well, I don't know." Like. <laughs> Why is this happening right now? I don't know. What are you asking me for? Yeah. Where are they going? I'm watching the same movie as you. I have no idea what's happening. So if those people are listening, uh, you owe me an apology. <laughs> uh, and if someone could track them down and get that apology for me, that I will would be great. Yeah. let you choose my god or something. <laughs> you'll let, so you'll let them choose your mm-hmm. god. So you'll, like, you know, you're open. Mm-hmm. Like, Buddha, Allah. Um, oh, yeah, are, yeah. Prophets, I don't like I it. Guess, you could you pick know. yourself, and I'd be like, "Oh yeah, you're my god now." Uh, Bob Odenkirk, my current god. I am the only preacher with 
the fucking balls, and you know this, you know, you all know this, to say, Satan, I damn thee! You goddamn motherfucking shit-eating, cocksucking son of a bee! Can I get a fucking A? So I also, the only thing I saw this week was also at BAM, uh, the Brooklyn Academy of Music, which also we'll be mentioning again later on. Um, it was, I also saw High Life last oh, week, sure. which you talked about yeah. last time. Um, I definitely weeks in a row, High Life talk. I know, can't get enough of that, High Life. <laughs> and it also was 420, so that's also like High Life. Oh, nice. Yeah, it was definitely very weird. Uh, I definitely see what you mean about the way that Claire Denis doles out information in this very like piecemeal mm-hmm. way where you have no idea what's going on or like what people's relationship to each other are or like how much time has passed or uh, what, you know, if it's the present or the future or what's going on. Um, but it was, you know, it, it's it's not a movie that you would say that you enjoy, right? But it was definitely, you know, an experience. I feel like I had some emotions and mm-hmm. I went on a journey that she wanted to take me on. Um, it was not like pleasurable per se, but I don't think like every film has to be pleasurable. No, right. Yeah. Um, I did love that it kind of had this weird, um, kind of handmade quality to it. It takes place in space. They're in a spaceship, but the spaceship is kind of like just a square, yeah. <laughs> like a metal square. <laughs> it looks like just like a shipping container and you really can't get a handle on like how big or small it might be <laughs> from looking at it from the outside. Uh, even the, um, ending where, uh, Sorry to spoil, but like there's a black hole involved. Sure, sure. Uh, and instead of using like modern effects or anything, they just use like a camera technique. Yeah, just That's... kind of like the lights curving around yeah. the center of the lens. Like, you like, know, oh. <laughs> this is and, 2019. And I mean, it's communicating it, it, what it wants yeah, to communicate. Hundred percent. It, it, but it's also it's yeah. yeah it seems like a student film it, it's or something. Part, it's part of its charm. Yeah. And they're wearing these spacesuits the whole time that look like they're made out of like burlap. I mm-hmm. think it's like I didn't know that that would keep you alive in outer space, but apparently so. You know. I will say in the running for scene of the year is uh, Julia Binoche's in the in, in the, the sex in, room. In the, I think they call it the fuck box. The fuck box. Yeah. So there is. So the idea they literally is, call it the fuck box. The idea <laughs> is they're all trapped on this uh spaceship it's like kind of an experiment and kind of like punishment and they're all convicts and um to help them so there's like some enrichment activities there's like a garden that they all garden which also gives gives them food and gives them oxygen and it's like an activity to keep them from going crazy and then they also have put a what they call a fuck box in Mm -hmm. the room which just has like a bunch of crazy sex toys, I guess. The only one you really see is the one Juliette Binoche uses, which is like a chair that has some kind of hand-operated dildo lever that she's like yeah. going crazy on herself with. There's, yeah, they don't... But the guys the guys use it too, I guess. So there must be like also flashlights yeah, maybe, yeah. in there or they're into, the, you know, the dildo thing. Angles, I, I don't know. Yeah, right, yeah, yeah. sure. Uh, but yeah, uh, shot very well. But it's like a very long sequence. It is it's like several minutes yeah. long of her just like wilding out uh, on this on, in in the fuck box. Yeah. Uh, it's a brave filmmaking. It's communicating some part of the emotional state of her character. Oh yeah. You know, um and also it's just I mean, it's all shot from behind more or less. Like it's not like she's, you know, it's not graphic necessarily. Oh, yeah. Well, it's it's super sexy. If anything, she lets it's, her hair down. It's she literally does let her hair down, but her yeah. hair is so long and gross. She looks like a witch from think, the swamp. You think it's gross? I think it's kind of. I think she looks like a long swamp witch kind gross. of. Yeah, Ooh. it's because it's like long and like so full of volume, and there's like gray hairs in it, and she's all kind of. I don't know. It made me. She's like a swamp witch. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>
but yeah, it was good. It was good. It was definitely, we walked outside and we were standing in the rain and I felt like everyone was trickling out of the movie theater in this kind of daze and just kind of looking at each other like, so what happened? And like, <laughs> what was the deal with that? Like, yeah, yeah, it's a lot to take in and process and good for A24 for putting that. Oh my God. Like, yeah. A24 has been on a streak of maybe like a little easy to swallow stuff or and stuff they know. Yeah, sell. sure. So good for them for picking like, up a challenging movie from a auteur. I mean, it's so rare to leave a film and feel like genuinely confused and yeah. feel like you like unsure of not only exactly what happened, Ooh, yeah. but uh, how you feel about it. And I, I think that's a really valuable experience. And to get on my marketing horse again, they market the movie as like, this is a weird horror. This is a space it's horror. nothing like that. No, the marketing of the movie totally dropped the ball. Yeah, I definitely agree. They didn't, they just don't, you know, a lot of times you realize they don't know how to sell the movie. I've been talking about this a lot actually with our friends, but in putting together our episode about Captain Marvel, what I realized was that in all of the trailers, they don't let Brie Larson say anything. <laughs> like, oh, really? and, and when Brie Larson does talk in the trailers, it's like one sentence and it's very flat. Like a friend of ours who's a woman was like, <laughs> I would watch these trailers and I would think like, oh, Brie Larson is a terrible actress. Like, I have no interest in seeing this, you know, and it's like just some dumb superhero movie. And we were like, no, 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 it's actually very good. You should see it. And then she was like, she saw it and was like, oh yeah, it was nothing like the trailers. I don't know why the trailers were like trailers that. Trailers suck. Yeah, they do. They Sometimes you just don't know how to market mm. a movie. But I mean, not that that movie did not do well. It did very, very well. Yeah. So I guess it was good marketing, uh, yeah, they, actually. They, they, it's marketing for the masses, which is yeah, probably what sure. marketing's for. That is literally like, what it's for, I think. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for cinephile Cinephiles. boys myself. Mm, put it in the cinephile, please. <laughs> uh, anyway, so that's that crap. Um, and we'll let's talk about our first movie this week, which is... Her Smell. <laughs> Her Smell, the latest film from indie stalwart Alex Ross Perry, is a marvel of idiosyncrasy. The film is something of uh, the ensemble proficiency of Robert Altman by way of early punk rock feelings, Penelope Spheris, uh, headlined by the people's champion, Elizabeth Moss. <laughs> Uh, Moss plays Becky Something, lead singer of 90s riot girl grunge buzzy band uh, Something She. Over the movie's five acts, we see the familiar tale of fame gone awry, but given a new verb by not only a brava performance from Moss, Becky Something creates, destroys, builds up everything and everyone around her in her world, but also by the notorious ARP's prickly stream of conscious dialogue uh, attention to detail in creating a specific alternative music scenes universe. Oh my god, yeah. And his ability as a director to feature his ensemble's reaction to Moss's performance. Mm. Uh, and before we get deeper into this movie, uh, I always want to shout out to Sean Price Williams, uh, probably my current favorite uh, working cinematographer. Some of the scenes unfold, uh, he shoots, uh, it's like, oh, let's just write, build a scene off of this shot or let's build the scene into his shots. Great pastoral, pictorial landscape he creates. It embraces how just challenging this movie is. Uh, I just love Sean. Price Williams. <laughs> is that the end of your that the end of the introduction? Yeah, I just want to talk about Sean Price Williams. Yeah, um, I will say the so I saw this movie. I was lucky enough to see it with a friend of mine at a film festival here in New York. Yeah, what did uh, you like film festival? Did you see it at? It was I don't know the Gotham was it Film Festival. Oh, Gotham. Okay, I think so because it was at some weird place on the like it was at, at Lincoln Center. Oh, okay. 
Um, I don't, I honestly don't remember the name of the festival. Sorry. But, um, it was fan, you know, I saw it. I've been like dying for this film to come out. Uh, cause it was, it, I thought it was just so amazing to see. I mean, one of the, you know, obviously the main thing that jumps out at you is Elizabeth Moth's performance and, and the way that her performance is shot, like mm-hmm. you were saying. Um, so she's Becky something. She's the, you know, she's the center of this universe and it's kind of like, she's the person that's made, you know, all this money for all these people by having this band, you know, she's basically like Courtney Love, right? Yeah. I mean, and, but then it's like, she, everyone has to put up with her. <laughs> um, and the movie is kind of about everyone else having to deal with her shit. Yeah. You know, and it's like a horror movie, except that, you know, there isn't, you know, nobody, you, you feel like something terrible is about to happen every second, but it's not a horror movie in that like people are getting murdered. It's just like, it's so unpredictable the emotional intensity is so high mm-hmm. and everybody, and it's like, she is being cruel to people. She's actively trying to hurt them, but with, you know, her attitude and her words and she is, she is a monster. I mean, it's a monster movie yeah. where, you know, it's her, you uh, know, monster a rock star. is a uh, rock star and also addiction. Uh, addiction she has, she does sure. battle these demons and, uh, ego unchecked. Uh, she lets the demons get the best of her in but the it, sense that she also brings in, uh, I don't, I don't want to say voodoo. What did he do? He oh was <laughs> well. So this is honestly my least favorite part of the movie. There's a whole segment where she basically, yeah, she has like a, a fucking voodoo priest, which is like a Madonna call out a little bit. Yeah, it's like Kabbalah. a Madonna thing. Yeah, or it's also I think you know it's like kind of a general thing when sure, people sure. have some kind of weird spiritual yeah, yeah, yeah. spirituality. But it was something like a little racist e in it because it was like a black man with like not wearing a shirt wearing like a grass skirt with like basically a bone through his nose you know like blowing burning (laughs) things and like saying chants and you're like does this really need to be does this really need to be here right now that's like uh right off the back too uh just to talk about the structure of this movie too like they get into that very quickly uh because the the first uh act of this movie is their last show of a tour sure yeah and that's very smart in that sense like oh wait they get to expound all this information like oh wait they're not playing as big as venues as they used to uh it's the end of the tour everyone's tired of her shit her family comes to visit her which is just a whole nother <laughs> layer of that onion yeah so it, it's structured not unlike jobs which is that you're mm. you're backstage before big performances mm-hmm. yeah, and it's about all, all the people interacting with each other backstage and like trying to get their you know having trying to get their shit together completely failing to get their shit together mm-hmm. having huge arguments with each other and you know you basically see how they all mm-hmm. you know relate and you learn about their history and it's it's two shows the first two segments right it's like one show no, it's and one, then like, the first uh it's the last stop of the tour right uh, and they go on stage and the second segment is them recording oh right 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 uh, right, right and then it is and then it's sort of in the future a little yeah. bit uh, where sort of... I think I did miss one, though. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there was two concerts backstage, but maybe it's like there's just kind of a time break or something. I'm not 100% sure. They do sure. Like, have interstitials with their success days when they're on yeah, s- right. the cover of Spin Magazine, <laughs> and it's which like I would them... love to hear, like, oh, what magazine should we cover we should put them on? Oh, my God. And it and was also that spin. <laughs> them being, like, you know, interviewed on MTV and acting, like, real funny and, like, they love each other, <laughs> you know, and just, like, having fun before they were, like, so successful that they hate each other, I guess, you yeah. know, that was really interesting. Really. I mean the, you know, and so there's a great performance by what's his face. Cousin Matthew from Downton Abbey as, uh, Elizabeth. Oh, Moss Dan Stevens. Dan Stevens beast. as her, uh, husband the guest. or partner or whatever. And like, they have a baby. What's his name? Dirtbag Dan. <laughs> yeah, like I, think that. I think it's Dirtbag Dan. 
Um, and they have a baby and it's like sort of the baby appears at one point and the movie's been going on long enough that you're like, oh, fucking Christ. Like she has a child and like she's allowed near the Ooh. child. Like it's it really ratcheted up the tension for me, you know, to have that like element introduced at a certain point. But so basically kind of some of the plot is like, yes, yeah, so at the beginning, it's her band. Uh, basically, everybody is sick of her bullshit. She's acting like a complete fucking lunatic. She's mm-hmm. trashing her room and screaming at everyone, mm-hmm. like screaming in a way that it's very rare to see people scream on film. Um, and I mean, it does put me in mind of John Cassavetes oh, and yeah, like Gina, Gina Rollins. Yeah. yeah. Because it's this performance where it's like, it's an unselfconscious performance. It's a performance where you are... Uh, showing like the ugliest part of yourself and for everything that happens on film and for the huge variety of films that exist it's so so rare to mm-hmm. see an actor or actress or you know it's I so, would so even rare say, yeah more so an actress because who writes for women as exactly well. yeah. to, to like be like nothing about her is supposed to be like charming or compelling yeah i mean she is a little compelling because she's like you're supposed to because there's some talent she has a talent she has a creative talent but it's like she's also just so nasty she's so nasty and it's like disgusting to watch her behave like this it's very all-encompassing it's disgusting and it's very mean uh but she just gets these huge chunks of dialogue to uh just attack oh my god and we when we said when we say huge chunks we mean like 15 straight minutes you know i saw this at nighthawk prospect park uh which had a nice premiere with uh the majority of the cast oh sure yeah and she literally said it was like two to three pages of dialogue at a time with pop culture references she did not understand because <laughs> Alex Ross Perry is a crazy man writer. Yeah, he's uh, great. He's absolutely, he's like a Brooklyn dude. He's absolutely the oh, best. Yeah. I interviewed him for Brooklyn Magazine once because he was like, set up a GoFundMe to like get his cat surgery or something. <laughs> he's like, he was friends with my editor at the time at Brooklyn Magazine. And this was just after Listen Up Philip came out and I was so enamored of him and his whole world. And I, I think like, they were like hanging out together, having dinner one time when I went to meet her and I got to hang out with him a little bit. Although maybe I'm making that up, but I think that happened. And then I interviewed him later on about this, uh, this thing, this, the, yeah, his fucking GoFundMe for his cat. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, yeah, this is the third q and I've been with Alex Ross Perry. Uh, yeah, he was also at the screening that I went to. Yeah. Alex Ross Perry is somebody who is basically our age. I mean, we're not oh, yeah, exactly he's... the same age, but he's like our age. He's a creative person who lives in New York City. And it's like, I, you know, so Listen Up Philip is one of his earlier movies, and it's basically about a, a novelist who lives in Brooklyn and is like also a, a nasty creative genius who's mean to everyone around him. And, you know, like, is that what Alex Ross Perry is like? Like, yes, a little bit, but not 100%. I like to imagine. Yeah, he's a very prickly person. He's yeah. a very prickly person. It's like he's just like an unleashed version of a tamer person mm-hmm. like like you or yeah. i like uh, so, if we were, didn't spend so much energy trying to control ourselves and just like behaved i feel like you you and i would be a lot more like like uh, him you know in his, the movie joshy they do cast him as the prickly as the wet blanket of the group uh yeah his first movie which i think is his best movie the color wheel uh shot in black and white it's a very cool movie very very funny movie uh but he plays the uh, it's brother sister road trip uh and he plays the brother and he just is so annoyed with his sister the whole time. Threw me for such a loop. I'm not going to spoil it, but it just is like that's where this movie leads, and then blew my mind. Uh, his second movie, which is probably a signature movie, listen up, fill up, yeah. And then the next movie is Queen of the Earth, which, which is, stars Elizabeth yeah. Moss in a very similar kind of performance. This is very similar movie, except for uh, this is a huge ensemble. Uh, her smell, where uh, Queen of Earth is just her and Catherine Watterson, and that's uh, a more back and forth than Cash and Wars, and just has to react. To more, it was yeah, and crazy. I mean, speaking of things being simple, but just like 
elevating it through the performance and through the direction. I mean, right, the the plot of the movie is basically, you know, for 75% of it, it's just like a band backstage waiting to Mm -hmm. go on for the show. Like, it's not, you know, a, a movie I love is Green Room, which kind of takes that framework but then it's like oh nazis are trying to murder yeah, them turns into you know a, I mean? that turns into an action horror, a yeah, horror movie but whereas this it it, it turns into a horror Psychological movie of a horror kind movie, yeah. but it, it nothing happens yeah. nothing happens except like some friends are mean to each yeah. other you know some co-workers yeah, very are mean similar to, each to other. what queen of earth is too yeah um uh yeah he just crafts challenges i think he writes challenges for himself and then writes himself so deep into that challenge that like it naturally finds an outcome uh, i mean it's like extremely extremely admirable like you, you I didn't exactly know what to expect going into this movie, but I will say, like, I was completely floored. It was, like, nothing I was expecting. It made me, like, deeply, deeply uncomfortable for Mm -hmm. large parts of it. Um, But I didn't ever feel like I didn't like the movie, if you know what I mean. Like, that was what it was trying to do, you know? Like we're saying, it's, like, kind of like a horror movie. Like, it's trying to elicit an emotional Mm -hmm. response in you, which it does, like, effortlessly, you Mm -hmm. know? Like Uh, like we said, it's uh, they're a band, they're a grunge band. Uh, They do play songs in it, and they are, like, cool, catchy uh raincoats l7 type songs but the score kicks in keegan dewitt does the score uh mm-hmm. it's very uh dissonant and uh adds to that horror element of the whole movie mm. uh yeah very cool and all while i'm talking about the music uh i forget her name but the band's bully which i really like that band she wrote a lot of the mm. songs <laughs> yeah and um yeah i mean the other thing is so there's like you know you're talking about the ensemble i mean it has some like, oh, sure. super famous people like cara delavine is in yeah, it yeah 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 um cara delavine ashley benson and uh dylan galella who so I... they're yeah cara delavine is in this like group of younger women the upstart band the upstart band who like really admire something she uh and elizabeth moss's character yeah Yeah, we grew up on your shit yeah exactly and it's so by the time she is introduced to them we've been seeing her be a monster for a very long time and this band is like oh we love you and then she's like oh yeah we should work together and you're like no um and then it, ha- it happens. They do work together, and it, spoiler alert: it does not go well. Uh, kid, the kids band, the young punk band, uh, one of my f- favorite band names, uh, Acre Girls. That's such a Acre fucking Girls. cool name. Like, what the fuck is that uh, about? It's Laker Girls without the L. <laughs> that's so funny. <laughs> is that what it's supposed to be? Yeah, it's how it's uh, spelled. Yeah. Oh my god, that's so, so dumb. good. I love that so much. Yeah, I want an Acre Girls shirt. Acre Girls, and then it's like the, the you know the end credits are this is this great uh, procession of CD covers oh, Lord, of like so their good. CDs and like other mm-hmm. bands you know that get mentioned. He in has the movie. great production design, like the books and Listen Up Phillips. Yeah, it's a very yeah. similar kind of thing, That's but they're just like perfectly, perfectly designed. <laughs> where you're like, yeah, I think I bought that CD at Camelot in 1997. Per- yeah, perfect design, a hallmark of Alex. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Nails that shit. Uh, it's great. It's a fantastic, fantastic movie. Fantastic film by one of our better filmmakers he like i said it already but like i'm paying attention to everything he does i mean uh, i say this all the time just to kind of dig at him but like i still have not seen christopher robin uh i bet it's good i don't know it's on netflix he wrote I me mean, he wrote christopher robin yeah he got a ton of money to write he it. got a ton of money i mean i support 100 mm-hmm. percent anything he has to do to keep the movies like this coming yeah yeah uh, uh, I, I would watch it i would watch it solely based on the fact that i know he wrote it yeah uh he even talks about with uh, her smell that he could have uh got double the budget but not got the movie he didn't want to uh make this is like a over two hour movie yeah. uh they probably wanted more of an actual structure than a five yeah, act right. structure yeah, right. uh 
so like kudos to him and he's working with the people he loves i, I guess I like, mean, yeah, uh, sean like price williams ensemble. does all his uh movies keegan dewitt does uh, a lot of his other movies but you know you figure he's got elizabeth moss who's like a huge star mm-hmm. who like will yeah do it's third time working him. with her too yeah, exactly. uh, very much like a cassavetti's uh thing working yeah, with Gina exactly. Rollins so much work with the people that yeah work with the team you're familiar with and they're gonna raise you're your writing for them and yeah. like you know what they're gonna be able to do mm-hmm. and it makes the film better because you sort of have an idea going it, into it what it, you're actually gonna be able to accomplish and it is like very different from all his other movies too uh like his last movie before this was golden exits which was like a like a woody allen new york vibe mm-hmm. uh yeah jason schwarzman was that too um yeah he just works with the same people and just always elevates them and they always work hard and pay off with good movie film that's a, that's a fact dog um so that's her smell uh coming up next we're going to talk about babylon no man is where you think you are Princeton? You fuck off, back to your own country, you jungle bunny! And you! This is my fucking country, lady! This quad get one scratch raster. Babylon is an English film from 1980. It was written by Martin Stellman, who actually at the time was fresh off writing the film adaptation of uh, The Who's Quadrophenia, which is very weird. But it's uh, it's also a music movie of a sort. It looks at the reggae underground in London, follows a group of mostly black young men dealing with like the absolutely huge levels of racism in the UK at the time. Uh, it follows a sound system, which is kind of like a band and also a DJ crew, if also you were famous for having like a really big speaker um that's uh that's the the literal sound system um they're called ital lion and, and it shows how the you know the band and the massive parties that they play and the like sort of business that they're part of it's not just an escape but it's like a way to find an identity in a culture that's like very hostile to your very like existence um the guys uh get beat up by the cops they have racist slurs yelled at them by their neighbors and they have their parents tell them they're wasting their lives that's all like pretty standard music film stuff although there's a kind of low budget immediacy to the filmmaking of this movie and a very very high quality to the reggae music that makes i would say that makes babylon stand out um it was actually never released in north america it was banned at the time for being uh this is this is a quote being too controversial and likely to incite racial tension um it wasn't officially screened uh, here in North America until its revival at BAM, like last month. Like crazy, that was basically crazy, the yeah. first time it was ever played. So actually, at that premiere, I found um, the one of the star, the guy who plays this character, Blue Tinsley Ford, uh, Brinsley Ford, Brinsley, Brinsley Ford. Uh, he's actually now an uh, an MBE a knight because um, he was a longtime member of this reggae band called Oswad, Aswad. I, I actually Oswad. don't know Oswad. Yeah. Uh, he gave an interview to the Jamaica Post and he said, an actual Jamaican newspaper, and he said, this movie was made 40 years ago and at the time it was too dangerous to show. Even though most things have changed in the UK, law enforcement officers still have the same perception of black people where they'll act out of fear. Recent, and then he said some other nonsense. But um, <laughs> but it was really interesting. I definitely agree with that. It's very relevant to today and it's very good to have it out there. It's been kind of in a limited revival mm-hmm. the last couple of months. Uh, and I personally was like, very glad to have seen it. Uh, what did you think about this movie? Uh, it's a very genuine artifact. Uh, it's also very refreshing uh, to see a movie with uh, this many uh, uh, people of color uh, 
and not have any white savior characters to sure, it. Sure, yeah. yeah uh, there is like a white dude that hangs out with him, but yeah, he's, he's not, mostly he, annoying. He's like a, you know? a stoner dude they just hang out with, yeah. Yeah, uh, exactly. He's token white, which is... He is he's a yeah. token <laughs> white guy. It's an angry British young man movie, which there's plenty of, but hardly any of from uh, the black perspective. From a black point of view, yeah, exactly. So what I kept thinking about and what I've said to you in the past about this is it reminded me a lot of a movie from like 10 or 15 years ago called This is England, which is about basically uh-huh. the exact same time period. And it's a, but it's from the opposite point of view. It's about how a, a white kid without any family or any like friends really fell into the like skinhead, like white nationalist movement in, in England at the time. And it's kind of, you know, it's humanizing in a way in like a racial uh, American history X kind of way where you you can see how it happens but the movie doesn't make it seem like it's good to be racist it's mm-hmm. like it's bad and eventually the guy rejects it but it was you know i saw that movie a long time ago and sort of like understood that was a part of english history it was so interesting to see the exact same time period from the other point of view and not a movie made like 20 or 30 years sure. in the future looking back on it but it one that was made like in that moment in, during the moment yeah. yeah and it was like terrible mm-hmm. it seems terrible you know yeah. uh, like he's uh the lead character blue uh not himself a hero too uh like they beat up a gay guy at one point yeah uh, yeah there's no like really redemption to it to his uh arc uh he yeah he uh there's a stabbing scene that he commit he commits crimes in this movie yeah because basically it's kind of like he's a good he's mm-hmm. a good kid you know he's got a good family but it's like he's just keeps getting pushed yeah. and pushed by events there's until a, a, he finally cracks there's a scene where uh as i think it's as they uh attack the the uh gay guy and rob him of his money uh and he looks at the guy he's doing it with and uh they say oh they do it to us which is just like a, oh that's a very good summation I of know, like right the whole uh, whole times right here uh but yeah, uh, I overall liked it. I did think it is very much of its time in the sense that uh, it doesn't really uh, overtake how cool the music is. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the so music is so cool. The music's <laughs> like really, really good. <laughs> Um, and there's lots of scenes of them like listening to music or playing music and it's just the way that it like comes out of them and I mean right the actor Mm -hmm. is like he was so good at reggae music they made him a knight like that's a very high bar of reggae talent so like yeah watching him just performing I mean so it's not unlike a movie like The Harder They Come which stars Jimmy Cliff and you get to watch him perform and it also has features people like Toots and the Maytals where you get them to just see them making music and it's like totally enrapturing to to Mm -hmm. look at Um, but right the parts that aren't that you know it's definitely like low budget it's like a British movie from the 80s Mm -hmm. some of the dialogue is like pretty clunky especially the white guy who gets like way too many scenes Mm -hmm. of just kind of monologuing about like what you think about this govs and you're like shut the fuck up dude nobody wants to hear from you so I was talking to this uh, about this uh, with someone who also saw it at BAM uh, and and he saw it, and I'm going to ask you this now. Uh, he said he had subtitles uh, for the oh, yeah. movie. Did you have subtitles when you so saw they it? Showed it? They showed it both ways at BAM. They showed it with, with and without mm-hmm. subtitles. So I inadvertently, yeah, I bought tickets to the subtitled showing. Um, which wasn't really necessary. Oh, I didn't it was feel 100% like it. necessary. There were parts <laughs> where I, was, I saw the unsubtitled. I was like, oh. I have no idea what they're saying right now. You know, I was trying to play that game with myself where I would like read the subtitles really quick and then I would listen and I would be like, oh, I totally, I totally know what they're talking about. That. <laughs> I just saw the words you're saying. <laughs> no, there was times where I was just straight up lost. Uh, it's a thick Jamaican. It's uh, a very, very yeah. thick. Yeah. 
Yeah, so I guess the kind of the backstory, quote unquote, to this London is, town. is that uh, in the after World War II, a bunch of uh, people from the Caribbean moved to England. Uh, they're called the Windrush Generation, and then you know there was a lot, a lot of tension with those people. They basically treated them like they weren't really British people. And then with their children, it was, you know, even worse because those people sort of grew up feeling like I'm British, I'm a British person, just like anybody mm. else. But then, you know, there was definitely periods of like extremely intense racism again against the that kind of second generation. And it's almost harder when you and I, you know, I'm completely talking out my ass as a white person whose family has lived here for like generations. <laughs> but like there's when you're an immigrant somewhere, you kind of you have a different mindset than when you're born somewhere and you feel like. I'm one of these people, but you aren't treated like one of them. Um, I feel like that can be like much worse and it mm -hmm. makes it, it makes the whole dynamic much harder. So it was like fascinating. There's a document of that and like just these, you know, so there's basically, they have like a garage where they practice and next door, there's this family of white people who's just like constantly screaming, you know, like racial insults at them. Uh, they call it jungle music. They use the word jungle bunny. It's, oh, I know. Yeah. It's like gross, like mm -hmm. gross. Like, like the N word, the, when the he, gets, when he, gets, like he has works at a car shop and he gets, fired from it because well, he has enough of being called the n-word oh my god and there's like there's like a little white boy who's like using the n-word and yeah. like screaming at them and you're like this this is terrible to watch uh there's some lighthearted stuff there's a character named beefy though he's the most quick to anger <laughs> beefy, beefy. Uh, he also there's a scene where he just like they're waiting for him to meet up with him and then he just comes out with a really really fat dog <laughs> like, a, like oh that, that this is so weird they just start laughing at him <laughs> it definitely has the vibe of like a sort of an independent film from that time period yeah. where you're like what's some other shit we could do <laughs> you know like yeah uh, i would say like it for it really is uh concentrates on the one character blue uh but it's a pretty big ensemble for how much it concentrates yeah, on one right. character i mean there's like a weird scene of them like buying beats from a sleazy record executive but it's not even beats it's like a whole song <laughs> they're buying and he's like oh yeah this beats uh, straight from jamaica yeah, he does say from the j man yeah <laughs> uh yeah uh, i just like uh but it looks really cool uh and it's very like i said very genuine very real feel to it uh the cinematographer went on to win two Oscars. Uh, he won for The Killing Fields. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, That's a great movie. I and, love that. Uh, That's like an early Bravo movie. Yeah, Back yeah, when yeah. Bravo used it's, to show only good if movies we had a without pod, commercials. If we had a podcast in the early 90s, we would have oh, probably... For sure. We're talking about Swimming to Cambodia. Uh, and, oh, yeah. Yeah, The Killing Fields. Uh, he also did won an Oscar for... Um, the Mission, which is a Robert De Niro movie that I did not think I, deserved of any Oscar heard, consideration. I've never heard of that movie. It's what, like a, a Spanish... Uh, explorers it said in the 1800s so it's like a lot of cool big things i think i forget who the other big actor is but mm. it sounds very like late 80s yeah. early 90s it's like... one of those things it's like oh we're uh designed in a shop to win an oscar yeah, but exactly. yeah I, i've uh uh i don't i think i saw it when i was really into de niro when i had my do my big de niro face wait, wait are you saying that was in the past caleb are you saying you're not a huge de niro head right now oh i do love his robert Mueller impression on saturday <laughs> night live oh i just and love... give me that dirty grandpa you know, i would meet the fuckers over and over again i can't meet those people enough uh, i am actually really stoked to see the irishman this year <laughs> oh i'm sure it'll be great um, um but you know, it's like it's shaggy, and it's um, it it my so my mom loves watching movies on Turner Classic Movies, like I'm sure oh, many people's do. moms uh, do. Everyone should. It's um, the best. But one of, one of the things she really likes is watching movies from like the 30s or the very early 40s, mm -hmm. um, and it doesn't necessarily even have to be a very good movie. But she likes seeing this kind of like when when you have a low budget movie from a time where people didn't spend a lot of money on movies, 
you get a very real picture of what life was actually like at that time. It's not really polished. So I feel like this movie excels in that area in that it's a very low budget movie from England from 1980. And you're just like, they basically just like walked outside and put a camera down on the street. So you are really seeing these parts yeah. of London, which actually now are like hugely, hugely gentrified mm. that are like, you know, the Williamsburgs and the Bushwicks and the Park Slopes of, uh, of London. You're seeing like Brixton and you're seeing like Hackney, but you're seeing them like in 1980 when they were like, you know, you know, not shitholes exactly, but in a very, very different state, let's yeah. say, you know, uh, much more kind of this mythic like London, you know, which I, which I, I enjoyed also. Yeah, sure. So that's <laughs> it. Babylon. I mean, I've been wanting to talk about that movie a lot. I, it, it is, it's hard to say, but it's like, it's very disturbing and it's very moving and it's, it's got sort of a, you know, it's dumb cause it's a music movie to say this, but like a lyricism to it a little bit mm-hmm. where it's like, you know, you you really did does it does do the thing that film can do better than anything else, which is to transport you into the reality of another person. Uh, and it's obviously over the top a little bit, but uh, I think it's very good on that level. And also, if you like reggae music, it's fantastic. Yeah, it's it's great fantastic. Reggae to music. Watch. It's very uh, of its time. Uh, it's very good, uh, a slice of what the obstacles were of that time. Uh, I'm saying of the time so much to excuse this next thing I'm going to say, <laughs> uh, which is the. The depiction of females in this movie is uh, very off-putting. Oh, uh, I you know to be honest with you, I don't even remember. Yeah, like, because what? they uh, they either used as a source of violence. Uh, I think he had a girlfriend that he almost hits, and like, uh, why weren't you there when I called you? Uh, why why did you go out without me? Type stuff. Oh yeah. Uh, there's oh, also a yeah. scene where they go to uh, his friend's uh, like engagement party, and uh, the bride does not get any zero lines. <laughs> Uh, like he has a a, a, a bad uh, inner home life. Yeah, that's uh, true. That's all really the dad, bad. That's all really bad yeah. stuff. Uh, and the mom's not even on screen. She just has scenes of yelling. So they're like not even writing for a bit at all here. Again, yeah, it's very fair. That's very true. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, but it, it's, it's a, a, good, a good movie. Uh, there's a lot worse movies that have done more sins. <laughs> there's a lot worse movies that have done more sins. Yeah, yeah a, definitely. A, a dog's purpose. Yeah, I saw this one uh, movie having sex with somebody that was somebody else's wife. Like, Whoa. that's not allowed at all. Whoa. Was that and a... the film's mom and dad were both there saying, don't do that. And it was going, fuck you, mom and dad. I don't honor what you say at all. That movie was Howard the Duck. That, <laughs> mo- that movie's parents would be George Lucas directed that. So Star Wars and... and uh, uh, American Graffiti. Uh, what's a duck movie? I can't think of a duck Oh, uh, Howard the Duck. <laughs> <laughs> it was its own mother. It's a time travel movie. I don't Dang. know if you knew that. Not enough duck movies out there. Yeah. Uh, there's that goose movie that we talked about, Fly Away Home. What's that one, uh, Quack, uh, Quacker's Fortune? Quack the dog. Yeah. <laughs> that, uh, um, anyway, that's uh, Babylon. So, Caleb, uh, it's the time of the show that we often forget to do, but mm. uh, it's, it's actually best choice time. You got you to gotta pick them. You got to pick one. Ding, da dung, da ding. Uh, her Smell. Yeah, Her Smell. 100% for yeah. sure. Babylon's a great movie. I definitely recommend watching it if you if it goes on mm-hmm. streaming services it's, a, a it, it's deserved of its cult status uh yeah. like i was reading when i was doing some research about today uh before it got uh picked up and released in britain on dvd uh copies used to go for like four uh four forty dollars or like four oh, hundred dollars really? on ebay wow uh it's sampled in a uh dizzy rascal song oh that's cool yeah 
Yeah, Dizzy Rascal. God, remember Dizzy Rascal? I mean, I know he's still making music, but yeah. I, I was really into him. Yeah, in two thousand and one or something. Yeah, Fix Up Look Sharp. That's great. Fix Up Look Sharp. Yeah. Um, I would also agree a hundred percent. Her smell. It's like a fantastic new movie from gonna, a fantastic new yeah. director. Yeah. Uh, star with this amazing performance by Elizabeth. Oh, like Moss. I said, I called her the People's Champ earlier. Uh, she. I don't know. I didn't know why you said that. Actually. <laughs> best actress, actor, person <laughs> acting right now. Uh, I think it was David Lewis, but he officially retired. Officially, oh, yeah, sure uh, thing, but yeah. uh, from *Handmaid's Tale*, she was in *Us*. Uh, just killing everything killing she gets it. to just do. It. Yeah. Uh, if you are a fan of acting, go see her smell right now. Yeah, agree, agreed, one hundred percent. Go um, see her smell. Go, go see, see her your smell. smell. Go smell her smell. Go smell or see. Somehow we didn't make that joke this entire show, and I will say I'm very proud of us. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, But speaking of the show, that's the show for this week, kitties. That's the um, show speaking of. We'll be back eventually to talk about more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. In two weeks. Two weeks. In two weeks. I okay. Bye. Okay, goodbye. Bye.